The good word that we are considering now is the word establish in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now you'll recall that we pointed out that the whole theme of this chapter is the establishing of new Christians. In chapter 1, Paul told us how these Christians were born. In chapter 2, how he nurtured them. Now in chapter 3, how he taught them how to stand. This is not an easy thing to do, but you must teach people how to stand before you can teach them how to walk. And chapters 4 and 5 deal with the Christian's life as a walk. Now, we talked a little bit about this matter of establishing. The word establish in your Bible means to fix, to make fast. They were not going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4.14. They were not going to be moved by all the afflictions that were in their Christian life, the pressures, the problems that were going to come. You know, one of the great testimonies of the Apostle Paul is in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Let me read it to you. It's a great verse. Many times I've turned to it. You know, we pastors have our pressures, we have our afflictions, we have our burdens. There's some things that you can't talk to people about. There are misunderstandings and criticisms and disappointments, failures. And there's some things you just can't talk to people about. Who is your pastor's pastor? To whom does your pastor go when he has a problem? Well, he has to go to the Lord. He has to go to the great uh, chief shepherd. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now look at that. None of these things move me. What things? Verse 22, Behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Here was Paul walking head first into persecution. But he said, none of these things move me. You know, many Christians are moved by anything. Over in the book of Psalms, it compares the Christian to a tree. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. It goes on to say the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. Now, some Christians, unfortunately, have no roots. They're like tumbleweeds. And whatever way the wind blows, they blow. They follow all kinds of preachers. They're changing their churches all the time, changing doctrines. And God never meant it to be this way. God wants us to be not tumbleweeds, but trees. We are to be living stones cemented on the foundation, Jesus Christ. Not to be rolling stones. We are sheep who flock together and follow the shepherd. We aren't kangaroos who hop around independently wherever we want to go. So Paul said we had to establish these people in the things of the Lord. And he did this in three ways. Number one, he sent them a man. He sent them Timothy. Number two, he wrote them a letter. This is the letter we have here and also Second Thessalonians. And thirdly, he prayed for them. Now, this is the way to establish people. If you have new converts in your church, in your Sunday school class, and I hope you do, nothing is more wonderful than to have these new spiritual babies in the household of faith. But they have to be established. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 5, it says this, Acts 16, 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, how was this done? Well, Paul and Timothy and Silas traveled from church to church and taught the people the word of God. Now, notice that Acts 16, 5 says that as the church is established spiritually, it grows numerically. 
I have people who say to me, well, we want to have quality, not quantity. Dear friend, if you have quality, you will have quantity. You can be sure of that. Now, it's possible to have quantity and not have quality. You can build a crowd and never build a church. You can have a shallow ministry that entertains people, that pleases them, but it doesn't really feed them and establish them. And when that personality preacher's gone, the whole thing falls apart. This happens in too many churches. Oh, in far too many places. And I love pastors, and I am a pastor, and I defend pastors. But in too many places, the ministry is shallow. Pastors are not taking time to establish their people. Now, Paul and Silas and Timothy went from place to place where they had established churches, and the Word of God says, and so were the churches established in the faith. Now, Paul talked about the faith in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 several times. In verse 2, he sent Timothy to comfort them concerning their faith, verse 2. Verse 5, I sent to know your faith. Verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Verse 10, that we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. What is it that causes the believer to be firmly established? It's the faith. Now, in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul lays down a little principle on this business of establishing people that we need to lay hold of. Romans 1, 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that ye may be established. Paul wanted to come to Rome, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, so teach them the word of God that they might be established. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9, the writer has this to say about this matter of Christian stability. Hebrews 13, 9. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. Now, this ties in with Ephesians 4.14, not to be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. I want to warn you about that. Don't you believe every radio preacher you hear? Don't you believe everything you read in free magazines that come to you through the mail? You test them by the Word of God. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Now, Romans said to be established by faith. Acts 16 said established by faith. Hebrews says established by grace. Now, these two things go together. For by grace are you saved through faith. You see, the same way the Lord saved us, he establishes us. How? by the word of his grace, and by the word of faith. Back to Acts chapter 20. The apostle Paul gives a little benediction here, verse 32, Acts 20, 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So it's through the word of God that we are established in the Christian life. Now, Peter says the very same thing, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. To be established in the truth. This is the same as to be established in the faith. So the word of God is that which establishes us. And the word of God is that which gives us the stability that we need as Christians. And this is why we have a program like What's the Good Word? My concern is not to get you on a mailing list. 
the interest of our church is not for you to send all kinds of offering. The only reason Calvary Baptist Church, the only reason Calvary Baptist Church sponsors this radio ministry is that we might give to you the Word of God. If you're not saved, that you might trust Christ as your Savior. If you are born again, that the teaching of the Word of God might be a help to you. Now, this is what people need today. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul tells us what we are supposed to do in the church. Verse 11, Ephesians 4:11. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles. Now, there are no more apostles today, because in order to be an apostle, you had to have seen the resurrected Christ. So he gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, these are the gifted men whom God has given to the churches. For what purpose? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, my responsibility as a pastor is not to run bake sales. It's not to run a taxi service. My responsibility as a pastor is to teach and preach the Word of God publicly and from house to house, to minister to people privately and publicly to help them grow up. I have the job of an evangelist to try to win people to Christ, and this is important. But as a pastor and teacher, the responsibility of the pastor is to build people up in the faith, not to build a program, not to build an organization, not to build a monument to his own glory, not to go around talking about my church. The work of the pastor is to be a servant, a servant of the Lord in bringing forth the word of God to establish people. Now, I've preached in many hundreds of churches across this country. I enjoy conducting Bible conferences in churches. It's appalling. It's really appalling to see the spiritual infancy that churches are in today. How many little babies are trying to teach Sunday school class? How many people who have never been established themselves are trying to lead other people? This is a dangerous thing. You know, anyone can be a witness who's been saved. The woman at the well in John chapter 4 gave her heart to Christ and immediately went out and became a soul winner. You don't have to be established to be a soul winner. You can, you can win someone to Christ the minute you're born again. But you know this business of being a leader, the Bible says not a novice, not a beginner. This business of taking new Christians and making deacons out of them and Sunday school teachers out of them before they are really equipped to work, this is dangerous. You've got to learn how to stand before you can walk. And if you aren't walking, you can't be doing any leading of other people. Now, Paul was in Athens alone. I wish we could take time to talk about Paul's ministry in Athens. Read Acts 17. While Paul was in Athens, he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to minister to these people. He sent them a man. Now, let's read this. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, 
For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Let's talk for a while about Timothy. You know, Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. There are some people who believe that Paul actually adopted Timothy as his legal son. We don't know for sure. But Paul sent Timothy to these people to help them. Now, Timothy was raised in a religious home. You recall in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talked about Timothy's upbringing, how that his mother and his grandmother were believers, that Timothy had become a believer. Probably, Timothy gave his heart to Christ when Paul was at Lystra in Acts chapter 14. Paul won Timothy to Christ. Now, six or seven years later, Paul came back to Lystra in Acts chapter 16, and Timothy was now probably a teenager. I have no proof of this, but the chances are, since he was just a young man when he was saved, maybe seven or eight years old, uh, he would be 15 or 16 years of age, maybe a little older when Paul came back in Acts chapter 16. He had a good report. He had been faithful in all of his work as a witness during those years. He'd been growing in the Word. And now Paul took Timothy to take John Mark's place. You'll remember that John Mark had deserted Paul on the first missionary journey. Paul was not interested in John Mark joining him again. And so Timothy took John Mark's place just as Silas took Barnabas' place, and he became a servant with the Apostle Paul. Now, Timothy was one of Paul's favorite associates. He loved him so much. And we're going to talk more about this fellow Timothy in our next time when we meet together in What's the Good Word. Meanwhile, I suggest you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and notice how the Apostle Paul seeks to establish these Christians in the faith. Well, this is Warren Wearsby at the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. The program is What's the Good Word? And I'm glad you've tuned our way. I trust you'll tune in again next time to study with us in the Word of God.